Welcome to Endurance Minded. It's the podcast that looks at the psychological and emotional components of endurance sports and how they impact performance. I'm your host, Taylor Thomas, founder and coach at TEC. And on this episode, I welcome back to the show, Christine Hernandez. Christine is the CEO of the Bold Leader Collective, where she works with leaders, entrepreneurs, and growth-minded individuals to help them reach their full potential. I'm also very happy and proud to announce that she is the newest member of the TEC team, where she's coming on as our mental performance coach. She's going to be working with our athletes to help them reach their full potential by utilizing the methodology that she has developed over many, many years of working with growth-minded individuals. So very, very happy uh, to be able to align my personal mission um, of helping athletes reach their full potential with a very real intersection of leadership and movement and how individuals approach and reach their goals and maximize their potential. Uh, there's, there's so much amazing overlap here between Christine's passion and skill set and expertise uh, and what I see as the real value of, uh, of leading uh, a movement-oriented life. So Christine and I touch on a number of things. Uh, we talk about the power of self-awareness and how important it is to develop that skill to be able to be the best version of ourselves. Um, She talks about how the pursuit of strength can actually be a weakness. She reflects on her days as a bodybuilder and how her single-minded pursuit of strength uh, actually uh, caused her a tremendous amount of pain uh, and uh, set her back many years as she worked to recover from these injuries and issues that she dealt with uh, as she had uh, or due to a uh, single-minded focus on strength. Uh, we talk about accepting weakness and identifying um, how to grow in a healthy way through our weaknesses and how critical it is that we uh, make sure that we're familiar with those, that we know them, uh, and that we use them in a way that is productive and uh, specifically in a way that allows for healthy growth. Um, we touch on understanding your relationship with fear. So there is an inherent Fear related to setting big aggressive goals. How do we manage that fear? What role does it play? And how do we use it in a way that is productive and healthy? Um, so understanding that relationship with fear based on our unique personalities and what we bring to those scenarios uh, and those experiences is extremely important and beneficial as we look to maximize our full potential. Um, We touch on the benefit of setting small goals. So big, aggressive, lofty goals are fun and exciting and can often be the thing that gets us up and running, but we can also hide in those goals as well. If they're too far away, we can procrastinate. We can push those goals further down the road. Maybe we don't show up for ourselves consistently like we would like to. So let's pull back. How do we set small goals daily and weekly that allow us to show up for ourselves. There's nothing wrong with having long-term goals. Uh, In fact, it's very healthy uh, in order to keep us focused, grounded, Uh, but we need those small goals uh, because we need to set ourselves up for small wins, but we also need to hold ourselves accountable. We don't wanna hide in the distance between where we're at now and our big, aggressive, lofty goals. Um, Lastly, we talk about developing trust with ourselves, how important it is 
to trust ourselves, how important it is to use that trust to show up in a way that's in alignment with what we want to do, who we want to be, the goals that we want to accomplish. So often we trust others, we put our faith in others, we show up for others, but we don't develop those same feelings, those same skills for ourselves. We don't trust ourselves and when that's lacking, um, we lose a lot of um, a lot of the things that can make, uh, bring so much joy to our lives, bring so much uh, uh, of a feeling of accomplishment. So really important to develop trust with ourselves. So again, Christine and I connect on so many different levels. Uh, she is an a, a amazing business owner, entrepreneur, leader. Um, that's something that's very near and dear <clears throat> to my heart. And again, that intersection between leadership and movement and goal setting and reaching our full potential, um, so much crossover. And it was great to now have her on as the mental performance coach for TEC and see how that, um, that service and the work that she does with our athletes um, blends so many of these amazing components of, of what it means to be a growth-minded individual. So um, last but not least, and really important, we're officially launching the uh, mental performance service for TEC. Again, Christine is gonna be leading the charge on that. And uh, as part of this initial launch, we're doing a really cool offer where um, the first five people to sign up for uh, mental performance coaching uh, are going to get their first month for free. Um, so that's nearly a $400 value. Um, and uh, Christine uh, and myself and my team at TEC are gonna be working collaboratively to make sure that we support those first five athletes. We really wanna provide an impactful and transformative service. It's something that we believe deeply in. So I wanna mention it here because I'd like you all to be on the lookout. Uh, if you don't already, follow uh, TEC, we're at Thomas Endurance Coaching on all social media platforms. We'll be announcing that uh, official mental performance coach, <clears throat> coaching launch soon. And, um, and again, uh, be on the lookout, the first five people to sign up for mental performance coaching with Christine are going to receive that uh, first month for free. Uh, so that's a huge value there. Uh, that's going to be weekly communication with Christine. Uh, it's going to be very, very touch point heavy, very intensive um, in, in uh, an effort to provide, again, a very, very impactful and meaningful uh, service and experience that's going to add value to the lives uh, and the goals and uh, the pursuits that um, the individuals working with Christine are able uh, to accomplish. So, uh, again, I want to mention it here, be on the lookout uh, when this podcast launches. Uh, it will be in alignment with um, the launch of our mental performance service at TEC. Again, follow along on all of our social media channels. Um, we'll be putting the word out there and giving more details on how you can get involved, how you can take advantage of this first free month of mental performance coaching with Christine. So, uh, as always, rate, subscribe, and share Endurance-Minded. Please keep it coming. It means so much to me. This community is growing weekly. 
Uh, I love what this endurance-minded community is becoming. So many amazing, diverse, um, uh, interesting voices and experiences, and it's really what keeps me excited, keeps me uh, grounded in this work, and keeps me passionate about what we're doing. So, if you are part of our community, please engage. Uh, again, rate, subscribe, share, and as always, endurance-minded.com. Scroll to the bottom, let us know what you think. Um, leave a comment there, send us a note. Uh, how can we help? What resonates, what doesn't? Um, this, is, um, this is a message that I believe strongly in and I want it to resonate with all of our community. So please don't be afraid, don't be shy to let me know um, how I can help. Uh, I am eternally grateful for everyone's support. Thank you so much. Um, and we'll see you next time on Endurance Minded. Please enjoy my conversation with Christine Hernandez. Hey everyone, uh, before we dive into this episode, I wanna take a moment to tell you about Inside Tracker. As I've talked about at length on the show, my passion is helping individuals discover the tools, resources, and relationships they need to reach their full potential. It's about more than just getting fit or being in shape for one race. It's about realizing the value in the lifetime pursuit of dedicating yourself to become the best version of you that you can be. So no matter what you love, whether it's running, riding your bike, racing, or just getting out and enjoy the great outdoors, you want to do it forever. That's where Inside Tracker can help. As a lifelong athlete who's done everything under the sun, I've gotten blood work done many, many times over the years, and it's always provided critical information. Even when I was feeling great and training hard, my blood work uncovered critical deficits such as low vitamin D and elevated iron. Despite how your training is going or how you're feeling, Inside Tracker helps to uncover specific, individual, and actionable insights that allow you to not only perform better, but feel better and be healthier. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside of you and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. Then, Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way towards reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. So, endurance-minded listeners can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just visit info.insidetracker.com/endurance-minded to take advantage of 25% off of the entire Inside Tracker store. Being an athlete is about more than just completing the right workouts. So visit info.insidetracker.com/endurance-minded today to start taking a proactive approach to understanding what your body needs to perform better and live longer. Hey, Christine, welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, so super excited to have you back. Uh, we, I don't remember how long it's been, but it's been a while. You are on the show, I think, last year. And uh, since then, um, you've uh, you, you got a lot of irons in the fire, as always. You've also... Uh, come on as our mental performance uh, coach uh, with TEC, which I couldn't be happier about. And so, yeah, there's lots to connect on, and I'm I'm super excited to uh, to have you back and and uh, expand on some of the kind of shared experiences you and I have had, and uh, and use that to to help help others. Um, 
yeah how 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 have you been what uh any major uh what's with any major ahas great great things happening in your life yeah i mean i think one of the biggest things is coming on to tec um and just how amazing it's been to work with you and and get to know you and just when things align um things things happen like it's so easy to to hop on board when things align um it just moves and so it's been really incredible to hop on the tec team and just get to know the team get to know your mission better um so yeah i think that's i think that's the majority of what's new is just being able to to run closer with tec and build together which has been super fun yeah well, same here. It's been uh, so so much of uh, of your you know personal as well as professional mission mission and vision align with uh, with mine and things that I care deeply about. So um, that'll play. Uh, that's that's another reason I'm excited to have you back on the show is to expand on some of those things. There's just, there's so much uh, overlap there. So um, one of the things that you and I have talked about uh, you know offline is um, is self awareness and the you know, how powerful it is, um, how hard it is to, to arrive at or to develop, you know, those skills around self-awareness. And, um, yeah, I'd love to just, just to kind of maybe kick things off with, with furthering that discussion. It's something that's been so impactful for me, you know, as an athlete, as, as a leader, as an entrepreneur. Um, and, and I think it's, um, yeah, it's something that's super challenging. You know, it, it's not easy to come by that self-awareness. And so, um, yeah, I mean, what's that, what's that look and feel like for you? You know, what, what role does that self-awareness piece play, you know, in our lives or in, you know, how we set goals or how we reach our full potential? Man, I feel like it's everything. I feel like, I feel like I talk about this a lot, but I think self-awareness, whether you're an athlete or you're a CEO or whatever your responsibility is and whoever your responsibility is to, self-awareness is has been vital in my journey. And I think it's vital to most leaders' journeys because when we're not self-aware, we're like caught off guard. I think that's been the biggest benefit of being self-aware um, and being in tune. I think self-awareness is is being in tune with yourself and like your own needs, your own desires, as well as the things around you and how you impact and they impact you. Um, but I think there's, you know, when we're not self-aware and when we're not in tune with that information internally or the things going on and how we're receiving that information um, or funneling through that information, we have the ability to like, just get caught off guard. Like I remember when I was, it was probably it was probably even before I graduated. I was probably like 17, and I remember having a really hard um, relationship trial, and it, I was just so caught off guard. Like, how did I miss this? Everybody else around me saw it. How did I miss this information? It's because I wasn't self-aware. And so I think the biggest benefit to being self-aware is you're just not caught off guard. Like, you don't have to try to protect yourself so much because then I shot into like I'm gonna protect myself and like guard myself and that actually when we guard ourselves or we're in a state of protection that doesn't actually put us in a place of self-awareness either because we're cutting off information either from the world or internally because we're so afraid of it we're actually 
when we're in a state of protection, we're still contracting. We're still, uh, we're still, it's not expansive. We're not in a state of power. Um, but we feel like we are like protection can feel like power, but it's actually not. So self-awareness is actually, isn't it expansive? Like if you think of yoga or like some type of athletic pose, um, or stance that it's actually open when we're in a place of self-awareness or awareness. Um, but typically when we're in protective mode, we're, we're like clamped down, we're trying to protect ourselves. And so I think sometimes we get those two very kind of misconstrued between those. And I've seen that so much in my life. Like when I'm trying to protect myself, I'm cutting myself off from like what and not listening to myself. Um, and it can put us in a really vulnerable situation and a really, which is, you know, it's kind of ironic because you're trying to protect yourself and inadvertently you're actually creating more dysfunction um, instead of kind of grounding yourself and being able to become more self-aware and listen to yourself internally and understand how you're funneling and internalizing the world around you. That is really powerful. But I think what my love for self-awareness is the ability to not be caught off guard. I hate that more than anything. Like, I want to know what's coming my way and we can't like all this talk about the recession and all that. And I watch so many of my clients, whether it's in an athletic realm or a business realm, try to protect themselves versus becoming self-aware. And I think we're doing ourselves such a disservice by not just grounding and then listening versus trying to predict. Have you yeah. ever experienced that? Like, what's that been like for you, Taylor? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I have. Um, I mean, very much in, um, very much in the athletic space. I'll start with that, you know, and to your point, it, it flies in the face of what it seems like you're actually accomplishing, which is, you know, if I, if I work harder, if I do more, if, you know, I, you know, if, if I ride more, run more, whatever it is, then that's going to make me stronger or more fit. And that is, um, that's creating protection, right? Strengthening my body. But what it often does, if we're not careful or if the scale tips in the wrong direction, um, is it's overtraining, it's burnout. It's so like, I see, you know, so much of the experiences that I've, that I've had when you were just talking, is like that self-awareness seems like it seems vulnerable or it, it seems um, like it's counterproductive, but it, it really allows for like openness and strength, right? Like when you actually can, mm -hmm. can develop that skill and those tools, um, like again, back to, to, you know, my athletic identity, when I have become, or as I have become more self-aware, I've actually gotten much stronger and much more fit and, and developed a passion for, um, for movement like I've never had before, you know, and it was because I was driving from a place of like awareness and excitement to move my body and to, to engage in the process versus just like a hard charging drive, like shut everything else down. Like, um, and that, you know, it served me for a short period of time, Right. Like it, that's the thing is it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? For a while you're like, Oh, this is working. I am getting stronger or more fit or, you know, whatever winning races. But eventually that 
that falls away. Um, and yeah, so, and then personally, you know, from like a, from like a leadership and, and, you know, entrepreneurial perspective, it's been the most impactful piece of my development as, as someone who is very, very interested in building, you know, impact driven businesses and teams. Um, it has to start with me, you know, like I have to know, um, I have to know where I'm coming from. You know, I have to be aware. I have to know, um, you know, where my, what my triggers are and, you know, the things that, that, uh, that kind of set me into a tailspin. Um, and yeah, like and to your point, like it allows you to see it coming. Right. And I talk a lot about on, on this podcast and, and other places, this balance between, or this, the difference between being proactive versus reactive. And I, I see that very much mirrored in like self-awareness is it, uh, when we are self-aware, it allows us to be proactive in how we move through this world and how we respond to the things that come at us. Like you said, so much of these things are out of our control, right? I wake up tomorrow, like, I don't know what's sitting in my inbox or how a conversation with somebody's going to go or what, all these things are out of my control. However, what is in my control is my ability to know myself and to know how I'm going to respond uh, and and move through these situations. And that's everything from how I'm going to set up my day to how I'm going to prioritize myself for exercise to the language I'm going to use when I respond to an email that catches me off guard, right? And I think it's rooted in self-awareness. And that's, it's been a brutal journey to get there. You know, it's not something that I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not a naturally like Zen person, you know, I'm pretty hard charging and pretty, um, uh, I don't know, you probably have better words to describe it. You know me pretty well. Um, but yeah, no, like leaning into that and working to find a version of self-awareness that works with me, works for me has been, has been huge again on the athletic front as, as well as, you know, in all areas of my life. Um, yeah, I think, and that's, I don't know, that brings up another good point or, or something that popped in my mind is this, like, this, um, um, how, how, how strength and our pursuit of strength can actually be a weakness. Um, mm. And, you know, of course, we see this as on the athletic front, it can be physical strength, but of course, we could also apply this to, um, mental and emotional strength as well in other areas of our lives. But what, um, what's been your experience with, with that juxtaposition of like a very real need to be strong again, physically or in, in other ways and, and the very real need for a balance of that to be some level of vulnerability and like even weakness. Like I think, you know, that where it gets us, gets a bad rap, but, I don't know. I think maybe there's an opportunity to like to reposition that that language. So, yeah, what's what's been your experience with how we balance those two things and and when it's when is it productive and when do we need to to come at it with something other than strength? Yeah, it's such a good question. Well, first off, I think I've had an addiction to strength like you know, from my bodybuilder days, I like was addicted to the point of like you know, weekly injections of human growth hormone. 
um, without even like having any relationship to like what I could be potentially doing to my body. Just like, yeah, give it to me, like whatever it's going to take to get me strong or give me the ability to look strong. Um, and I think that that's a really interesting thing. And I think when I've had the chance to, over the last 10 years, um, after healing from that journey of bodybuilding and like, I really injured myself. I, you know, I like was in a really hard place for a long time. I got sick and couldn't bodybuild anymore. And probably never will do it, nor do I want to anymore. Like I love food and life way too much to be that regimented nowadays. But I think it's, um, you know, I've had to heal. And I think a lot of my healing journey has been in relationship to the word strong or to my inner strength, to my physical strength. Um, and that I think starts or it started for me, like by identifying my, uh, my definition of strong or of strength, like what, what is your definition of strong? Um, and in early days, especially bodybuilding days, is like the ability to power through anything life throws at you. Like that's probably like the ability to move whatever you need to move and like power through it. And I think now um, looking at the word strong, I've redefined that word for myself. And for a while I had to take it out of my vocabulary. Like it was literally in my vision for my life. And I took it out a couple years ago and replaced it with vulnerable and um and self-aware actually now that i'm thinking about it like vulnerable and self-aware to me is strong because if i'm honest vulnerability and self-awareness is way harder for me to show up in than just like this stoic strength right this like power through anything strength and so i've had to redefine it and so yeah it's been a rocky ride with that word um, again, it's come from a place of trying to protect myself, like strong for most people equals power and power for most people e equals control. And if we have control, that idea is that we can keep ourselves safe. And so what am I a fearful person? No, I, I'm like, I don't really have a great relationship with fear. I most of the time am, am very unaware of my fear. Um, I just kind of go and then I'm like, oh, shit, I probably should have like had a parachute before I jumped off this cliff and I don't really <laughs> think about the fear like fight flight or freeze um I'm like fight and go or flight but freeze isn't a thing for me I just go and I think understanding true strengths have given me the ability to be honest with my fear and self-aware with my fear which gives me the ability to move more effortlessly and also more efficiently because I'm not trying to power through things. I'm not grasping for control. I'm allowing things to happen. And I'm, I pause more. And I think for so long, pause or slow down. Like you say that to me, I might punch you in the face. Like, don't tell me to slow down. But now it's like, oh, I, I don't have to slow down. I just get to pause and check in. And that's, that's strength. And so I think the first step is like understanding how you would define strength, I think is really important. So we don't overuse it, burn ourselves out, like you were saying. Um, and I think, well, you know, I like if you guys haven't taken the Enneagram test, or you're not familiar with the Enneagram test, it will change your life, it will change your relationships, it will allow you to become more self aware, we're talking about self awareness, but it'll allow you to understand your strengths and your weaknesses, 
which I feel like is very important for strength. We have to understand our weaknesses. We have to under to be strong. We have to understand where our weaknesses are. And so that the Enneagram um, ideology is like so important because it gives us both. Like I love strength finders, but that's only half the equation. Um, and understanding our weaknesses can be just as valuable. So that was a long answer, but I feel like I have such a, like a big importance on that word. Um, but man, it's had to be redefined. Like it's had many different identities, I would say in my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned the, like, you can't be strong without, uh, identifying your weaknesses. And that's something that I see reflected, um, a lot in, in, uh, in athletics or, you know, movement or endurance sports or wherever you're coming at that from is, you know, we shy away from, from talking about weaknesses. Right. And I've, I've long been a proponent of, of like calling it, you know, two things. One, I think it's important to like identify your weaknesses and mm-hmm. cause we all want to just do the things that we're good at. Right. Like in any, in any realm, but specific to, to athleticism, it's like, uh, you know, I suck at interval runs, but I'm great at hill workout. I'm just going to keep doing hills, right. Or whatever. When the thing we probably need to do is lean more into the, um, stuff or bad. And I think it's also good to like call out failure, right? Like I, it's okay that we failed, right? It's okay that like we've, we fucked it up. <laughs> you know, there's, it's not a bad thing. Um, if, if we are, I think that ties back into self-awareness, right? Like if, if we have the ability to frame that in a way that's productive um, and mm-hmm. yeah, like how do you, how do you leverage or yeah, how, maybe leverage isn't the right word, but how do we use our weaknesses? How do we reframe those? You know, I mean, again, in, through whatever lens we're coming at it from, it's inevitable, right? Like we're going to fail. We all have weaknesses. Um, how, how do we, how do we, how do we use those? Like what, what role do those play in how we define our success, how we reach our goals? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think it starts first with acceptance. Like it is that self-awareness or just that like mere acceptance that like we have a weakness. Um, I think about this actually mostly I use this example all the time in bodybuilding, like one of the hardest muscles to build is one of the small muscles near your like rear delt. And so there's like, it's just hard. Like a lot of people actually get surgery um, or, you know, like on your upper chest, there's, especially for men, there's just places in the, when you're bodybuilding that you just can't, if you could do as many reps, you could push your body and it's just not going to build the way I know tons of bodybuilders who have had these surgeries numerous times because fat just pockets there. And so instead of like, I remember working with one of my trainers and we're like fighting with my rear delt. Like it just, it's not doing what my quads, I can build muscle all day, like no problem. Um, But we couldn't get it. And it was like, almost as like, we had to accept the fact that it just wasn't going to build the same way. So we could manipulate the muscles around it. Um, and try to build those so like it tighten the areas that we needed tighten for the shows that I was doing. And so I think it starts with that awareness and like that acceptance of like, yeah, this is my weakness. Like I'm just not strong here. It just doesn't look, it doesn't feel how I want it to look and feel. 
um, then we can actually put the support system around that weak spot. But if we're always trying to hide it, like the first thing I wanted to do was like, well, can I just get a swimming suit that like, can I just get a, an outfit that actually covers that? And it's like, no, not really. Like, that's a huge part that you actually want to show off. And I think some of my greatest weaknesses or what, how I've seen my greatest weaknesses have actually been some of my greatest strengths. Um, another one for me is I'm dyslexic. And so when Taylor and I have been working together, the first thing I want to do is like just completely like lie and have him do all the work typing and all the things that we're building. And yet, if I'm just honest with that, and I'm just up front, and I just accept it, like, this is a part I can't change how my brain is designed, right? Like, there is nothing I have tried. Believe me, I have tried. I went to school to be a teacher. I should know this stuff. And it's been one of my greatest places of shame. And I think a lot of times when we talk about weakness, we can get into a place of shame really easily. And instead of doing that, because that's what creates uh, injury physically, emotionally, uh, mentally, when we are in shame, we're going to overcompensate for something. We're going to overcompensate for that, that weakness. And usually that's when we blow a muscle. Usually that's where we tear something. And so I think number one is like you have to accept and be honest about your weaknesses. And in leadership, if we're not, we're going to try to be a lot of things that we're not. And like, I'm not a good runner. I've never been a good runner. I enjoy running. But if I try to put myself in, you know, and push myself to that place, it's just not going to be healthy. Like, first off, like, how healthy do we want to be? If we're not something, how hard do we want to push ourselves? And is it worth it? So I think the second thing for me is like, okay, if I'm weak in this area, can I actually grow in this area? Like, what does growth tactically and healthily look like? How can I grow in a, you know, place of health? Um, and then what support do I need around me? Because, you know, I have a lot of apps that support my dyslexia. I also have a, you know, a couple of people on my team that actually go in behind me and make sure that I'm not putting out stuff that sounds like a two-year-old wrote it. And so that's a real thing for me. I have to put support mechanisms around myself so I can push my limits, show up as my best self, and go and make the impact that I was created to make but not with hiding my weaknesses and not with trying to eliminate them because we could try that all day and I probably will never overcome dyslexia. Like I've done all the things, I've studied the brain, I've taken all the supplements, I've done the visualizations, I've done it all. And yeah, that's just a part of me. And so I think that acceptance is so important because all of a sudden it gives us the ability to go, that's a weakness and I can still love myself through it. I can still invite people into it to support and then we get to be better together and because I suck at that it makes room for Taylor to be awesome at what he's awesome at and like my VA to be awesome at what they're awesome at and then all of a sudden we get to run together and we get to be in relationship and we don't have to be isolated and in shame because of a weakness we get to elevate other people's strengths as well so I think sometimes our greatest weakness is also can be looked at as our greatest place of impact like our places, the biggest places of shame are probably where we should be making the biggest impact because other people probably feel the same way. Yeah, that's great. I, I mean, I, I've experienced a lot of that, you know, myself, it's, you know, I'm like most people I've, you know, ran from the weaknesses, right? You're like, well, I don't want to face those or like, I don't want to name them. Cause then that means that they really exist. And I don't, you know, I just want to be strong and I don't want to be 
vulnerable, you know, I mean, again, specific to athleticism, like, you know, I, I always like really wanted to be a like super fast cross country mountain bike racer. I'm not that good at that. I'm better at long distance stuff. And I forced it, I forced it. And yeah, I was okay. And I had some decent days, but I was never going to be amazing. Right. I was never going to be, I was never going to like beat, you know, people in the pro field and that. And the, when I finally realized it, like, and accepted it and just trained and entered races that were in alignment with what I was good at, you know, and I was, I was able to be like, that's not my thing. You know, I had lots of people like, Oh, you're not coming to this race. You're not I'm like, Nope. Like I'm not good at it. You know, like I've tried. That's okay. Like it doesn't mean I'm, I'm bad or whatever. Um, like, I don't know. And like fear is a piece of that, right? Like there's, there's some role that, that fear plays. Um, yeah. Like, I don't know. How do we, um, do, do we have to like admit fear or, you know, or like, cause it's, again, there's a vulnerability piece there. And you mentioned it earlier, like you, you know, you kind of don't see the fear piece. Um, but I think specific to a lot of times, like when we set, set goals, there's an inherent fear component, you know, and I think that that can, that can get, that can manifest itself in lots of different ways, you know, with like athletes, I think that we can, we oftentimes try to use that fear as a driver. Um, and it and it ends up being a, something that gets in the way, right? Like we set two aggressive goals. We think that if we're scared of it and it provides like, you know, the right, that's going to provide the right amount of push, but oftentimes that backfires. So what role does fear play in how we, how we go about reaching our goals? You know, so I, I feel like a lot of times when we don't want to like, no one likes to be scared, you know, but I think fear can be a bit of a polarizing thing for, for a lot of people. I think I've seen it with athletes and myself, honestly, like if you set like super aggressive goals that you're afraid of, you feel like that's going to be the thing that actually like, it's like, you have to be scared of it for it to matter. Right. And, and if it's like big enough and aggressive enough and hard enough, and you're scared of it, like that's going to be the thing that actually allows you to to push forward and, and, and reach your goals. But I think I've seen it backfire so much. I've seen it backfire for myself too. Um, so like, how do we, what's that balance between like the fear piece and how we utilize it to, you know, have some level of self-awareness, but also um, use it in the right doses to help us reach our goals or our full potential. Uh, hey everyone, uh, I recently came across a new product on the market uh, and I wanted to take a moment to share it uh, with our listeners. Uh, Access Nutrients has created a supplement designed to assist with better absorption of zinc, iron, calcium, and magnesium. Uh, this is a heavily researched and science-backed supplement that helps to break down the anti-nutrient phytate. Uh, phytate is present in things like beans, grains, nuts, and seeds, uh, any product made from these foods, uh, such as pasta, rice, chickpeas, nut butters, whole wheat flour, cereals, etc., etc. Uh, so without the enzyme, the above-mentioned micronutrients are largely unavailable for abs absorption, leading to deficiencies. 
So without iron, our body struggle to transport oxygen. Without zinc, our body's immune system is impaired and many enzymatic processes cannot function normally. So this enzyme has already helped a number of people that I work with uh, on the athlete side with better performance, improved energy, uh, anemia, fatigue, and other conditions. Uh, you can have a read through the research on their site for more information, but just trust me when I say that this enzyme could be a game changer uh, for many of you when it comes to optimizing your performance. Uh, I've been taking it um, for about two to three months now, and I've noticed uh, big changes in my recovery, my sleep, uh, muscular fatigue, uh, endurance, uh, my ability to fuel uh, more closely to workouts. So it really has been um, a really positive or had a positive impact on my performance. So, so for all of our listeners, um, you can go to accessnutrients.org and use the code THOMASENDURANCE um, to get 25% off uh, your order. And um, I think it's going to be something that you guys really like. I encourage you to try it out. Um, it's, uh, it's a really uh, cool product. I think it would be something that's very impactful for so many athletes and so many listeners of this podcast. So again, that's accessnutrients.org, code Thomas Endurance for 25% off your order. Uh, and let us know what you think. Um, it's been something that's been exciting for me to try. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, that's such a great and loaded question, Taylor. I think, I think first off, you have to understand your relationship with fear. Uh, like I mentioned, the Enneagram is like such a great tool because it shows us, it shows us actually how we interact with fear. Um, some numbers on the Enneagram or personality types, they actually drive from a place of fear. So doing things afraid can be really beneficial for them. Um, now for number Taylor and I were we're the same number on the Enneagram. We're both challengers. Um, number eight, we actually drive from anger. And so sometimes fear doesn't come in until we're in a vulnerable place and that can be really healthy. So I think it ties back into what you said earlier, Taylor, like you have to know who you are and you have to know have that self-awareness and understand what strength looks like versus weakness, what your strengths and weaknesses are. So you can understand how you how you facilitate through fear and what your relationship with fear is like, because for some people, setting the big goal will totally shoot them into action. Um, and that's like a really healthy thing for some people. Um, for other people, it will paralyze them. And my biggest question is like, if I fail, if I don't continue, if I pull the plug or give up, am I going to break trust with myself? And I think when we're interacting, regardless of your relationship with fear, or how you're motivated or demotivated by fear, that is a question that is, is really helpful when we're facilitating through fear or facing something that could be scary, um, is are you going to break trust with yourself if you fail or if the worst case scenario, because typically fear comes with anxiety or like kind of that head trash, as I call it. So if that happens, worst case scenario, if that happens, are you going to break trust with yourself? And if the answer is yes, you should probably pull the goal or where you're going back a little bit. If the worst case scenario is something you cannot live with, you probably shouldn't do it. 
Um, and I think a lot of times we avoid, we're like, don't do the what ifs. Like I've heard so many coaches say, if you're going to, what if you, what, and I say it sometimes too, if you're going to, what if, what if in a positive way, like what if in a vision perspective, and that can be super helpful, but when we're trying to make decisions that are going to impact our lives, other people's lives, we have to be real with the what if like, okay, what if that does happen? What if we do have this experience? What if we do fail? And if the answer is we something we cannot live with, we probably should pull it back and take smaller steps. And even right now we're leading out of a crisis, right? Nobody's experienced a pandemic that we just have experienced. Nobody has been where we've been racially and economically, um, emotionally, no, but no other generation in a really long time has been where we have been. It's a really interesting time in our world and we have to take smaller steps. And so I think right now in most mindset leaders, leadership coaches, um, are saying like, just set smaller goals right now. And yes, like those smaller goals actually sometimes are more scary for me. Like setting the small thing is actually harder. I'm like, that's all I'm going to do. That's kind of scary. And so sometimes the scary thing is the smaller thing. And sometimes the scary thing is the bigger thing. But you have to know you first. And if you don't have an understanding or a self-awareness of how you mitigate fear, then that's where you need to start. And I think just asking yourself questions before you just say yes is really important. Um, I think that's where it starts. And you know, it's been, it's been trial and error. Like when I bought this last business, I had to be honest with myself. If this goes belly up and I don't succeed here, is it going to take my family out? Is this debt going to hurt my family, hurt my portfolio? And the answer was partly yes. And I had to make that decision scared. Like I know that I know that if this goes belly up and I don't, and I'm not successful, then it could hurt some of what we've built. Now, does that drive me? Yeah, you best bet. I wake up and put my, you know, my butt in gear every day. But it also is in alignment with the impact I'm dedicated to making. So that risk is actually worth it to me. And so I think it's about understanding your vision and your mission and what matters most as well. And like, is that risk, is that fear worth it? to you? And are you willing to take that risk, put yourself in that vulnerable of a place to where you're not going to self-destruct? And does that impact actually matter enough for you? Because I think when we, when we fail or it doesn't motivate us, it's probably because it doesn't matter. Like Mm. our why our vision isn't aligned as well. We can do a lot of things when we're clear and we're aligned with our why and what matters most, but if it's not aligned, it's probably going to break trust. Yeah. I love the idea uh, that I'm just, uh, this idea or, you know, what you said about um, setting like small goals really struck a chord because it, it, there is, um, it's harder to set small goals. I think a lot of times, because you have to, you have to really show up for those things, right? Like if let's say like, okay, my goal this week is X, there's nowhere to hide in that, right? Like you, you better get to work right? You got five days, you got seven days or whatever. Whereas if you set this big lofty aggressive, that thing's a a year, you know, six months, a year, two years, you can kind of hide in that space, right? You can hide in, in not taking action. You can hide in 
the fact that you got busy or you're not really taking the steps, you know, cause you're like, Oh, that's far away. But these small goals, like they really bring up, um, yeah, you know, they, they could probably stand to really highlight like your weaknesses, right. And the things that you're like running from, um, I never thought about it like that, but I, I love, I, I like every week I set like three goals for myself. Right. And that keeps me like, cause you know, there's one year things and three year things and five year things. And there's, you know, personally, professionally, athletically, whatever, but I, I want to make sure like it's those small wins, right? I want to make sure that I'm moving, but those things are scary. You're like at the end of the week, like if I didn't do it, like that's just the facts. Like I can't hide it. That's on me. Um, yeah. Like how do we, cause I think I see so much of that, like in this, in like process goals, we talk about this a lot with, with endurance sports or, or athleticism in general. It's like you have to stay connected to the process, right? It's those small things that move you in the direction of, of the big thing that you want to accomplish um, how, how do we, like, how do we come back to that? How do we, how do we find that process that works, that works for us? Cause I think that's, I see like so much of that and what you're talking about is, is you have to, it ha- you have to align with it, right? Like you have to be connected mm-hmm. to your why through that process or you'll never, you'll never get to your goal and you'll certainly never find like value in it. Right. It won't, it won't mean anything to you. Um, yeah. Like what's, what's that what's that look and feel like, you know, for you? I think it's been understanding my core values. Again, like my vision and I'm, I'm big on this obviously because I, I teach it a lot, but I think understanding our core values, like what truly matters most to us um, gives us a framework. It gives us the blueprints of like, is this a hell yes situation Um, Brene Brown says that I I love her because she's tactical and also woo woo at the same time, but like she brings (laughs) the the vulnerability into play. Right. But yet she's very tactical. And she says like, you know, it like a hell yes. If it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. And that has been something that's been so real for me because my first core value um, is, is ownership. And if I can't truly own it and accept what's in front of me, then it's a hell no. Like, it's just a no. And I think that's probably been the most beneficial is like, there's a very specific way that we need to look at core values um, and also core triggers. And I teach core triggers very differently. Um, Core triggers to me are not the things that like, Taylor, you offended me. You said this and you offended me. That is not a core trigger in my book. My, in my book, it's, hey, this circumstance happened and I had this internal response. Um, and so there's this relationship between core triggers and core values. And if we understand these steps that we get to go through um, and what it looks like to be in a state of trauma triggered um, and like trauma is just not having your needs met. Like it could literally be you not having a water bottle at your workout, like or headphones. You want to piss me off? take away my headphones on a race. Like <laughs> I will die. I can't all y'all that like thrive in that space. I can't do it. That's like literally could traumatize me at the, the core trigger me for sure. But I think it's the internal response and understanding that internal response of what we say yes to and what we say no to and having the ability to be honest with that information. Um, I get very defensive when I'm in a triggered state. Now in <clears throat> my values, I'm very open 
And so having that relationship and knowing what we look like and what we feel like, I think can be really helpful in the process and understanding the cycles in the process. Um, and I think a lot, another thing that really plays into it is like your upbringing and how you were raised and what you saw and some of your belief systems um, and some of your narratives and the internalization of what experiences mean to you, I think all add to your process. Um, and taking the time to unpack some of that is really helpful. Uh, and not from a place of like, let me process trauma, but from a place of like, how do I actually move through life in a state of my values for what matters most to me, I think is so critical because it could be the difference between saying yes, like something so small, saying yes to, you know, showing up for three workouts instead of saying, no, you know, I need to rest this week. It, it can be that small because if I can't truly take ownership over it, that's my first core value what I'm not going to show up. I'm going to be honest with my trainer or whoever I'm working with. Like I actually cannot show up this week because I need rest. And if I do that, I'm either going to be resentful of you or I'm going to break trust with myself. And that is something I'm not willing to do at this stage in my life. Like I'm not willing to be resentful of the people who matter most to me because I said yes to something I shouldn't have said yes to and then break trust with myself. Cause one, if we're saying it out of a place of an uh, an alignment, one is going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah. How, how do we go about building trust with ourselves? You know, cause I've, you've, it's come up a few times and I've, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, okay. I, I, I hear that. Like, but I think that's a hard, um, that strikes me as a hard thing to actually get super clear on, right. And like trust yourself. Um, I mean, as I go back to core values, like, do we just need this, like these foundational beliefs and be like super clear in these things that matter most to us? Or like, how do we, yeah, how do we develop that, that trust with ourselves that allows us to know when it's a hell yes, right? Like, I think it's easy to be on the fence. I, 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 so I don't know. Yeah. Like what's, how do we get there? Yeah, that's such a, that's a, that's a loaded question again. Um, but I think <laughs> I'm coming at I you think, with lots of, lots of big, know, you know, so just <laughs> take, take all of your life's work and just condense it into like three sentences. <laughs> yeah. I think number one, um, when we, when, when we are trying to build self-trust with, with ourselves, it's, um, it's listening first, like you need to have space to listen to yourself. And I think that that is something um, I think that's why a lot of people are athletes or have a relationship with activity because it's a space we get to connect. Like what other space do you get on a daily basis? If you're like me and you have like kids and employees and all the people coming at you all the time. The only space I get to truly listen to myself is at 4 a.m. when I decide to go move my body. And like typically we're unreachable or hopefully we are, right? Like typically that's the space that we get to connect and ground ourselves in our body. And most people, I think it's like 83% of people actually listen to themselves while in motion. So like the Yoda Zen method on like maybe like a few personality types actually connect to themselves like in that like you know namaste pose but typically even in yoga it's through movement we connect to ourselves 
our minds through movement. And so I would say it's starting with that. It's starting with movement and having a regular practice, even if it's five minutes of taking a walk. Typically, uh, like even our to-do list comes to mind when we're in motion, right? Then being in motion, a body in motion stays in motion, but a body in motion activates the mind. And Mm -hmm. so I think that mind-body connection is something that is irreplaceable when I couldn't move and I didn't have mobility. It was one of the hardest things and getting in the water and swimming was the only way I could move my body for a small amount of time because of the injuries I had. And so that was like so important to me to just get in motion. Um, and then I think number two with, uh, trusting yourself set, like I go back to set smaller goals and do what you say you're going to do. If you say you're going to go home and you're going to cook a healthy meal, don't let yourself down. Like you can let people down all you want, but when you let yourself down, you're going to create a pattern that's pretty hard to break. And that's Mm -hmm. really sad because we say yes to people and we show up for people all day long. We like have the, you know, martyr syndrome, especially in our culture. But I would say if you're going to break a promise, don't break your own because you will eventually break others because you've once we've developed that pattern and we don't have trust with ourselves, we'll start breaking trust with others because it always anytime someone shows up late and I kind of can get aggravated, I just I actually turn it around. I'm like, you're not respecting yourself. Like people who don't respect others, it's because they don't respect themselves. People who break trust with others, it's because they don't trust themselves. So start with you. Like don't, don't break your promises to yourself. Don't, if you say you're going to go work out and you don't know you can do that, put a maybe. Don't like make a promise to yourself. Don't tell yourself you're going to do something that you know you might not have time to do. Um, Cause it creates guilt and it creates again, resentment. Um, and once we have a pattern of that within ourselves, we'll start to decline in our professional lives our relationships, but it always starts with us. So those are my top two. Like there's a lot to it, but I would say those are my top two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that's such a, that's such a theme in, in my life and the work that I do is that, you know, commit the the real intrinsic value of committing to yourself. Like put put yourself first. And and you know, we have this we have this I I think, you know, broken construct of of everyone else has to come first. But but very truthfully, we have to put ourselves first so that we can show up for others. You know, and like you said, like you have to build that with yourself. Like don't break promises with yourself. Um, you know, I think of it as a contract, right? Like the deal has been made, right? Like I wouldn't back out of a contract. I wouldn't back out of a promise I make to someone that I care about. I'm certainly not going to back out of that with myself, right? Cause I should, I should care about myself most so that I can then be able to show up into the, in the relationships and places that also matter to me and are important in other areas of my life. And so it, the deal is done right? Like I'm not breaking that contract. Um, and yeah, I just, I, that resonates so, so strongly with me is, um, yeah, like, like show up for yourself, you know? And Mm -hmm. like, and then also I think there's a balance you touched on that. I was like, but don't say that if you, if you can't, if it's not realistic, I think there's a real balance there of like setting expectations that, that allow you to be successful. Right. We see that a lot with athletes and, 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 and entrepreneurs and leaders is like, I can do it all. 
like sure like um, yeah absolutely i can do six workouts a week seven i can do six hour workouts on a tuesday morning i can do you know whatever it is and like can't you know can you if you can like rock and roll that's great but if you can't let's think about how we can keep that consistent um so that's that's a great note to end on because that's such a that's such a passion of mine and i you know if, if people get nothing else uh, this conversation, I think I love that you, you know, they came full circle to this very real need to position yourself first, you know, and, and with that comes the ability to trust yourself, ties into self-awareness, it helps mitigate fear. All the, all the things that we touched on um, starts with keeping that contract with yourself, you know, and showing up and, and setting yourself up for success. So um, thanks, Christine. I'm uh, so grateful for for you and everything you do for, uh, for, you know, the, the folks around you. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's super fun. It's always great conversation.